You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Ashley Voss. This is WFHB Local News for Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. In today's feature report, WFHB environmental correspondent Robert Scholl spoke with local urban forester Haskell Smith about what it's like to be a forester, the local tree canopy, and more. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. But first, your local headlines. First, WFHB correspondent Robert Scholl delivers a report on the latest joint session between the Monroe County Council and the Monroe County Commissioners. The Monroe County Council and the Commissioners held a joint session on Monday, November 27th. The main point discussed was several projects that are currently under consideration. To start the meeting, County Attorney Jeff Cockerell provided a list of projects they were considering. They would be the highlighted one, and they would be the the Karst, um, and I think that's the soccer fields at Karst Farm Park, uh, the jail transition, um, housing infrastructure, airport stormwater slash drainage, broadband, and center stone residential. Cockerell added that the main focus is on housing infrastructure. We met in the executive session um, when we looked at several different projects. I think the project that we are exploring at this point involves uh, infrastructure um, expenditures only. So we don't have the housing purchase as part of that. And so, or the the land purchase as part of that. So I think the bulk of what we're looking at is housing infrastructure or yeah, housing infrastructure. So we would be primarily pulling from that column um, I think we did add a child care component to it that has not been allocated within that, but I would assume it would have fallen in the restricted because um, the other child care programming that we've done has fallen into that category. Council member Jeff McKim shared his perspectives on who these projects are designed to benefit. You know, my thought in in and discussions with others about that amount the amount that comes out of a tourist-related tax kind of reflects the fact that there is definitely a tourist impact here, but the bulk of this project is going to benefit local Monroe County residents. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's there definitely will be new dollars being brought, I see. people staying at, at hotels, but it isn't primarily, it doesn't like the convention center, which is, you know, mostly a tourism-related facility. This is mostly our kids who are going to be playing, in, uh, it, it, but it will certainly be bringing in tournaments and some additional dollars. The addition of new trails to parks was discussed, and the clarification that this is a document that will evolve over time and is not set in stone. The meeting ended with the addition of several items to the agenda for the next Monroe County Council meeting, which will be held on Tuesday, December 12th at 5.30 p.m. 
today's feature report, WFHB environmental correspondent Robert Scholl spoke with local urban forester Haskell Smith about what it's like to be a forester, the local tree canopy, and more. We turned to Scholl for that interview on WFHB Local News. This is Robert Shaw reporting for WFHB. Today I'm speaking with urban forester Haskell Smith. Did I get that right? You did. Yep. All right. Urban forester. That's quite a title. How'd you become an urban forester? <laughs> and and what personal characteristics need do you have to have to be a good urban forester? Well, personally, I think uh, kind of I got luck of the draw to an extent, but I did work pretty hard for the uh, 10 years I've worked for the city to move up into this position. Uh, definitely have to have an appreciation and a love for trees and nature and everything kind of involved that goes into tree work. Um, and then I had that little bit of luck being in the right place at the right time. So what, what would you say your relationship to trees is? Um, do you hug them? <laughs> I, you know, I try to manage them, I guess. Uh, protection, I try to do what's best for them uh, in the sen in the urban sense uh, for my position. I mean, do you consider them your friends? They, they need protection? I mean, they absolutely do need protection. I, I guess I look at them as uh, kind of a piece of our infrastructure for urban society. All right. And so what's your vision for Bloomington with regard to trees? I, more. I would like to see a higher canopy coverage. Uh, Bloomington as a whole sits at about 38%. I'd really like to wait, see Wait, wait, wait. They sit at about 38% of what? Just canopy coverage. So if 100% is everything that covers Bloomington, 38% of that is canopy. Well, we're, fall, we're falling short. Well, I mean, it's not bad. It's on average with some other larger cities in the United States. I would like to see us up in the 40s. Well, what can you do to help that along? Yeah, we preserve trees as we come across them in developments the most, the best I can. Um, and then, you know, we get those juvenile and maturing trees to live to be mature trees. And then we keep planting and hope we can get these younger trees to become older trees. And this is all within the city limits of Bloomington? Yes, on public property. Right. So um, what what is the Tree Commission? It's not just a bunch of hippies that have <laughs> a beer party every now and go out and hug some trees, is it? <laughs> no, it sure isn't. A uh, group of uh, varied professionals uh, with various backgrounds, a lot of... Are they paid or... They are unpaid. It is volunteered... The commission is staffed with, with volunteers. Yes. Right. Uh, we have a very um, versed background of folks, uh, some retired professors uh, from IU and some graduate students, a couple PhDs. It's and all within the realm of um, nature, I would say. Not everybody is an arborist or an urban forester. Uh, we've got a microbiologist and... Um, Draw a blank on what everybody's title is. We have a, a landscape architect from IU, Mia Williams, is on the tree commission. But uh, there's seven of us, eight including myself. I'm the staff liaison, so make sure you know our meetings are set and 
what we're going to talk about and everything like that. Well, what's what is it that the tree commission is going to be trying to accomplish in the next say six months? Uh, so I think right now we're starting to look at an urban forestry master plan or a policies and procedures. Uh, in the past, we've just finished up uh, putting together a new tree care manual. It'll be the fifth edition. Uh, we did some Title 1224 updating, which is the city code in, in the, uh, excuse me, in relation to um, trees. Uh, we're looking at in the so Title 20, which is the UDO. We talked about what tree species that we can plant in streets. And well, the UDO once once more is Unified Development Ordinance. Okay. Okay. What what does that mean? You can't so, just go chopping trees down. You, you? Well, the UDO Unified Development Ordinance is a larger ordinance that basically lays a framework for how people can develop land in Bloomington city limits. Ah. So if they come in, they have to get, you know, so many driveways and apartments and yada, yada, yada. But in there, there's a section about trees and you have to have so many per so many footage per road. Or if you remove this many, you got to replant it with this many. It has to be this species. Or okay. from a list of species. Sounds like you're sort of holding the line there then. Yeah. You know, you can't just come in and bare earth everything and put up a ramshackle housing development and walk away. You have to follow, you know, the, all of those standards. Okay. Now, what what plans are there to increase the coverage from, you have a target to say 40% or 45%? For every tree removed, we try to plant two. Can you find places to do that? It yeah. looks to me like you can't just plant a tree anywhere. Uh, yeah, it's tough. But there are surprisingly a lot of planting spaces available in Bloomington. And with how uh, newer developments are designed, they leave extra room for trees. All right. What can individuals do that are not in the commission? To increase canopy? Yeah, yeah. Plant trees. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Preserve your trees, you know. Um, make sure that you're doing the best you can for your mature trees. So not... Again, that's holding the line. I holding just wanna... the line. Yeah, that's a big part of it. We don't want to lose, our, you know, our biggest loss of canopy coverage in Bloomington has been on private property and through developments. Okay. So kind of holding that line is just as important as planting new trees because if we can't get keep what forest we have, we, we can't replace it at the same rate we're losing it. So we have to be proactive in preservation. Okay, suppose I want to plant a tree in my backyard, am I supposed to go, would it be ideal that I come to the commission and say, what kind of a tree should I plant? Not necessarily. You're welcome to reach out to me through my email and I'll try to give you at least some guiding steps that I can point you in the right direction to some uh, private folks in the in the city, business owners that uh, are very good at that kind of thing. Well, we're going to make time at the end of this interview for you to give your contact information so people who want to do the right thing can with your help. Absolutely. That'll be, that'll be good. And so uh, I have heard that some time ago, some uh, industrious, well-meaning folks planted a bunch of trees where they're just not the right kind of tree <laughs> to be planted in this. What's the story there? Uh, I believe you're referencing calorie pear. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Tell me about that. Uh, so, like anything in a lot of science over the past 30, 40 years, uh, urban forestry has changed a lot. Uh, once upon a time, this 30-foot, 40-foot tall tree with be beautiful white flowers was all the rage and what everybody wanted. 
And initially, it was a sterile tree, so it was supposed to be fine. And while they kept uh, oh a sterile, it didn't produce seed. Okay, to uh, proliferate. And so, uh, as they released more cultivars of it, um, come to find out the rootstock would shoot up a, a sucker or another growth, and then it would flower and it would pollinate these supposedly sterile trees. And then all of a sudden, we have these big non-sterile trees that are suddenly fruiting and okay. producing seeds. Okay, kind of like bamboo. Yes, <laughs> similar. It, they became invasive, and it became a, a, a huge issue. Um, but yeah, at the time, they you know couldn't see the forest for the trees, you know. Right. So... And we're trying to do the best we can to keep up with it currently, and we're removing them as fast as we can. But it is a long uh, – we had 1,270-odd when I became urban forester. 700. 1,270, I think, is about the number we had. That you wanted to get rid of. That we current. I mean, we have about 1,100 left. So when I took over in August of last year, we've removed down to about 1,125, I think. So it's in the process. We've got nearly all of our park properties free of planted calorie pear. Now there are still some escaped that we have to go back and chop that are, you know, about an inch around. And they're still coming up because once those seeds get into the uh, seed bank, yeah. they pop up over time. But, yeah, it's an ongoing battle. We've got, uh, I think, about a 15-year program to remove all of them from our streets and parks. and. Uh. With that, our parks plan is nearing completion. I think I have about four left. Well, you sound pretty optimistic about the way things are going. Is there parts of your job that you get frustrated over? Oh, absolutely. But the way I look at it is I I fight two battles. I fight battles that I know I can win, and I fight the battles that I can't afford to lose. And something like calorie pay is one that I feel like we can't afford to lose. But I'm optimistic in the long run we can turn the tide on it. Is the city council pretty pro-tree? In, in my experience, it seems that way. They keep giving me a budget every year, and uh, I've you know received good uh, will for all the projects we've done. But I've not actually had a lot of interaction with the city council, personally. I've only been in this position about a year and a half now. Okay, okay. So what do you see in the long run uh, for your career? <laughs> I try to stay, you know, three to five. I don't get too carried away on how much the future brings, but uh, hoping that we can keep, you know, keep on keeping on. We got about uh, 800 trees in the ground this year. I'm looking at a similar number next year. Um, okay, you know, I mean, as a career path, uh, uh, you, you feel you are there now. You are where you belong. Oh, I'm, I'm at the top of my ladder. Yeah. I feel like um, I'm very happy with what I do. Um, and I really enjoy the, you know, tree work. I definitely don't miss running the chainsaw when it's a hundred degrees, but I do miss being out, uh, doing some planting here and there. I got to do some earlier this week. We did a volunteer planting through the tree steward program. Well, now if somebody got to know you and thought, man, I'd love to do what he's doing, what would you advise them? A young person? Well, had I known back when I was 18, I would have went to, Purdue and got a, you know, a degree in urban forestry. Purdue offers ah. those four, or even just a forestry degree, yeah. something related in there, environmental sciences, something. Um, go that route, find a job in tree work, do the work. You think, I, I think that's think the job prospects are fairly good? 
I think arboriculture is becoming a more and more well-known um, job opportunity in cities. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to tell everybody your contact information so that if they want to, uh, well, some advice on chopping down or planting trees or a career path, they can get in touch with you. Sure thing. I'm Haskell Smith. Um, you can reach me by phone at 812-349-3716. Uh, my email is smith at bloomington.in.gov. Again, S-M-I-T-H-H at bloomington.in.gov. No, that's that's all for today then. All that's right. all for this, this program. Yeah, well, thanks hey, for having me. Haskell, and that's H-A-S-K-E-L-L. -L. Yep. Haskell, we certainly appreciate you coming in and sharing your expertise. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Right. Up next, Little Bub's Little Show, a co-production between WFHB and Little Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here is today's featured animal. This week's featured animals are Musa and Tally a pair of domestic short-haired cats currently residing with the City of Bloomington Animal Shelter. This pair of sweethearts met each other while in a foster home. Tally, whose tail had been recently amputated, was recovering in a calm and quiet home when the very scared and timid Musa came to join him. The two were an instant match and have been inseparable ever since. Tally is a very social boy that loves to talk with his people. He is super into food and head scratches, and he very proudly holds the title of professional napper. Musa, on the other hand, prefers to let Tally get all the attention. She's a curious girl that is still a bit skittish with people but she has been making a tremendous effort to be more social in her foster home. For Musa, this looks like her not hiding away at every chance she gets. Tally and Musa love to cuddle and play together, and they almost always spend their time near one another. They are a wonderful and adorable duo that would love to find their forever home. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. 
With the holiday season, there are a number of steps pet owners can take to ensure the safety of their animals. According to the FDA's Center for Veterinary Medicine, a cat or dog may find tinsel, string, and ribbons irresistible because they look like easy-to-catch, sparkly, and wiggly prey. If digested, they can cause serious stomach and intestinal damage. Pet owners can minimize risk by keeping tinsel off of the tree and collecting all ribbons and string after gifts are opened. If you make salt dough ornaments or homemade Play-Doh, be sure to keep pets away from them and ensure that children don't feed these to pets as treats. They contain a substantial amount of salt, which can be fatal to pets if consumed. For perspective, a 10-pound pet can get sick after eating just half a teaspoon of table salt, and one and a half teaspoons of salt can be fatal. Don't give a pet table scraps that are high in fat, such as fat trimmings from meat or skin from a roasted turkey or chicken. Not only can rich foods cause an upset stomach, but they can also cause a potentially life-threatening and painful disease called pancreatitis. The most common symptoms of pancreatitis in dogs include vomiting, stomach pain, restlessness, shaking, diarrhea, fever, and weakness. In cats, the symptoms are less clear and harder to notice, such as decreased appetite and weight loss. Because vet appointments can be difficult to arrange on short notice, especially during the holiday season, it can be helpful to note the location and phone number of the nearest emergency vet, just in case. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Robert Schull. Lobup's Low Show is produced by Christine Brackenoff and Stacey Brodowski. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Kate Young. For WFHB, I'm Ashley Voss. And I'm Benedict Jones. 
Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Spectrum, a program which explores science and technology. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 